Hello everyone and welcome back to Callum and David's Any Requests podcast. This is of course our Patreon special podcast uh, where anyone out there in the world can give us £5 a month and we will do a podcast on anything they ask for. Anything at all. Um, we've got quite a range building up. Absolutely, um, yeah. I've kind of been saying that for the last couple of weeks because yeah. I'm, I'm genuinely surprised uh, how many people want us to talk about that? I don't know why. Selling yeah. ourselves short, but no, absolutely. Um, um, yeah, in fact, we, we've we've been kind of quite uh, overwhelmed by the response, and, and as such, any uh, Patreon members out there listening, um, rest assured, we will get to your uh, podcasts. Um, but it it may not be as simple as as one every month. You will get equivalent of one a month, but yeah. it might just uh, end up coming in a little bit into the next month or things like that. A little bit late, but um, but yeah, we're we're look, really enjoying going going through them. Um, this week um, was a request for the series Crime Traveller. Yes, from Ben. From Ben, thank Who's you, Ben. One of our uh, listeners on our Jonathan Creek podcast. Yeah, I was really intrigued. Ben was explaining that um, he felt there were quite a lot of parallels between Jonathan Creek yeah. and Crime Traveller. Um, not least being it was a 90s uh, kind of comedy drama. Yeah, well, well, actually, even even more than that. So um, Crime Traveller uh, came out about January 1997. It ran from January through to the end of March in uh, the 9pm slot, BBC One on a Saturday, and Jonathan Creek was the very next programme that took over that slot. Right, so, so completely yeah. going for the same audience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, interestingly enough, um, it did really well in the ratings. It averaged about 8 million an episode. Um, only eight episodes were made of it and um, created by Anthony Horowitz um, of course people know him from the that uh, Alex Ryder novel yeah. Stormbreaker and all that um, a and young also, adult novelist yeah and mm. also now he's taken over writing the James Bond uh, from the Ian Fleming estate. Ah. so he's doing the new James Bond novels and things like that but also he wrote Foil's War yeah um, he's done a lot of TV hasn't he yeah that really surprised me um, yeah I always um, kind of knew his name from Waterstones bookshelves you know yeah but, um, but yeah, that's a... Yeah, so apparently he got this idea whilst uh, writing an episode of Poirot. Ah. Um, but he was saying in an interview uh, about why it wasn't renewed. It was actually nothing to do, obviously, you know, 8 million um, in the in the 90s was, you know, really healthy yeah, kind of viewing good. figures. Um, but he said it was just a complete circumstantial thing that the series ended uh, as the old director general of the BBC was coming out and the new one was coming in and he said there was simply no one in post to actually renew it so they just didn't get renewed because no one had got the job yet it's a, it's a real shame yeah. it's like a, a real casualty of circumstance yeah. um, and it's a kind of another reminder of I, I think you know we talk a lot about um, big organisations and surely they wouldn't have let things like that happen but actually it's those big organisations that, that have the difficulty in actually trying to get things done through yeah. red tape um, yeah, it, yeah. So it sort of slipped slipped through the cracks. Um, but but I love this show. Now you 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 didn't see it, did so you? I've when never heard of it at all. That's, which is yeah. amazing considering I watched Jonathan Greek. Um, yeah, I've never heard of it, it at was, all. I mean, it's, it, it, that you know that was the big, you know, uh, family gathers around the TV. You know, nine yeah. PM on a Saturday um, was was the big kind of uh, television event of the week, if you like. Yeah. So so for two months in ninety seven, you know. Uh, people were kind of talking about the show and i mean i i wouldn't say i'm like a, a massive kind of sci-fi guy but um i've always really loved time travel anything to do with time travel you know 
Back to the Future and yeah. all that style. I just love love all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I I really really enjoyed it when it was originally on. Um, I actually am probably one of about five people in the whole world that actually own DVDs of Crime Traveler. I mean, people <laughs> are probably surprised they even made them, but yeah. uh, I'm looking at it on on our DVD shelf now. Uh, Crime Traveler's up there, so I was particularly happy when Ben put this through because it is I, i've not watched it since what i would have been nine yeah um gosh. and uh and i've not watched it since then so yeah it's lovely to well, kind it's, of revisit. it's already been quite interesting um with our kind of first reactions that we'll talk about um in a little bit but it's yeah. interesting looking at through the eyes of, of you who knows it and has kind of been inside it from since you were nine and um, for me who has absolutely no recollection well, what it, what is interesting is, you know, we've talked a lot on the Jonathan Creek podcast that things for both of us have flooded back quite easily. Yeah. But this, I really had no memory at all. We, we've we've watched the first two episodes to talk about um, on this podcast, and neither one of which anything triggered anything in me at all. So it, it's yeah. it is interesting. It's really fascinating um, to come back to because I really don't have clearly have retained anything about about the series other than I remember just loving it um but it was interesting uh if you if you google crime travel i think about the third or fourth thing comes up it's a really great uh article about it on uh, den of geek and um they talk about it basically being this sort of the public's need for a doctor who um sort of replacement because you'd had the year previous um the sort of failed paul mcgann um the paul mcgann which i had actually up until i think i read this article the other day i'd always thought that the paul mcgann thing with eric roberts playing the master julia roberts's brother um was a standalone film but apparently it was a pilot for an american version that never got made ah that's um, interesting <clears throat> yeah and that that was 96 and then of course you didn't actually get the chris freckleston reboot the russell t davis one until 2005 so you had there was a sort of decade of and and i think you know, definitely see um you know the first things on my on my list um <clears throat> from the opening credits yeah is that I, I feel and i said you know it feels like a cross between jonathan creek and doctor who it's very 90s it's very kind of it's like the missing link between those two programs yeah, it really it? is we've yeah. talked a lot about the doctor who creek connections and and yeah just That's to note, also, uh, uh, Paul McGann, great Doctor Who, um, in my opinion. Hard to, to judge on, on one pilot, but mm. he's done loads of radio series with Big Finish. Yeah. Um, and Paul McGann, really, really good radio Doctor Who, if you're into any of those stories. Um, I haven't listened to them for years, actually. Mm. Um, and there's a reason for that, because Doctor Who has a good jumping off point. I've never really understood what makes someone a Whovian. Mm -hmm. I struggle with the bad effects. I struggle with yeah. the uh, outlandish script, the kind of wooden acting style. And it is a style. It's not like people are doing this badly. You know, it, it's very much deliberate. Um, I've never understood people who kind of, you know, talk, remember hiding behind the sofa when the aliens came out or when the dialogue. Ne I never got it. Um, but I do understand retrospectively that there's a charm about it. Mm -hmm. um, so actually, I quite enjoy watching old Doctor Who episodes. I can't handle watching new Doctor Who episodes, <laughs> which is kind of discuss the irony. Um, yeah, uh, it's uh, Doctor Who is something that's totally passed me by uh, my whole life, um, despite the fact that my grandfather was actually in it. Um, uh, yeah, he was uh, Cyberman, and he ended up. He was quite a tall man, and. Uh, 
for some reason, he ended up having to get into one of the Daleks and squash himself in there. Mm-hmm. And they totally forgot they'd put him in there and they left him in the suit over lunch. So he wasn't particularly happy <laughs> about that. But um, but but no, I've myself, I I've never, um, never come across it really. Uh, I, I don't know why. Um, I my dad and my sister, uh, who'll be listening to this. Hi, Laura. Uh, love Doctor Who, mm. uh, the new ones and everything. But it's 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 now I've I've caught a few. Um, I caught a few of the tenant ones, I think. But but it's yeah. interesting when they when they rebooted it and mm. it was Russell T Davis. Yeah. Um, you know uh, who who was responsible for um uh life on mars as well wasn't he involved in that no though those were two guys actually from bath um no no he he came from he did a lot for um kind of uh i will uh, uh queer as folk being ah sorry yeah, a yeah, big yeah, yeah. one yeah. you know he did he he's always kind of really championed um lgbt yeah. q issues in dramas and kind of you know queer as folk if you haven't seen it is, is such a brilliant series and such yeah, a watershed moment and and has for, dated really well yeah yeah but you know for, for 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 the for the gay community especially in london at that time in the 90s had never seen their lives represented so realistically in that way so yeah and and, and um a, a great writer and by all accounts did a but I, I, I can't remember. I think Russell T. Davis and um, I think Mark Gatiss is involved in the. Yeah, Doctor Stephen well. Moffat came on. Stephen a bit later. Moffat is uh, who, I, who I was trying to remember. Yeah. Um, so that you know, some brilliant minds on on reinventing Doctor Who, and I think, you know, when did it come along? The the new version of it with um, you know, with David Tennant. Uh, so so Eccleston was the first one, yeah. and that was two thousand five. So two thousand and five. Um, he just... did one or two seasons, and then Tennant. I'm trying to think if there's kind of like a cultural climate that made mm. it ready for like why did we need a Doctor Who? What you know, what is it about it that we need? Yeah. Um because certainly as um as uh Den of Geek uh says, you know, Crime Traveller was filling a void that was left by Doctor Who. Yeah. And not although neither of you you know, us really care that much about Doctor yeah. Who. I'm interested to see um, as we go through this episode what it brings. Um, so that people are in need of. I think for me, um, and I'm literally just kind of working this out now as 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 we're recording. I think what what I love particularly is t- t- things that are ultimately set in a in a world of realism in the real world that yeah. have elements of sci-fi in yeah i think with doctor who where it's just straight up kind of sci-fi and aliens is basically all to, uh, that loses me a little bit but something like this like crime traveler or the elements of magic in jonathan creek i think adding bits of the supernatural or sci-fi into realistic scenarios specifically is something i think i really enjoy putting a, a fun spin on um on reality yeah which that. which yeah which i think crime traveler certainly does um so yeah as you were saying the opening uh credits you've got these kind of clocks flying in and it's very 90s it's, it's very the, 90s, the, the graphics are uh you know forgivably bad um yeah but yeah there's there's a lot of this kind of matrixes the theme and... tune reminded me a lot of the queen's nose theme tune actually it had that yeah <laughs> I, I, but the, I mean, the, the music theme. reminded me of, of, of jonathan creek underscoring you're kind of like yeah you know but but had a bit of a kind of almost modern techno feel with it there are still these strings coming in and it's still kind of like you know um a lot of strings in in 90s theme tunes um but yeah there's something really kind of like come on everyone let's sit down and watch crime traveler yeah um which again i think you don't get so much now because we just skip credits on netflix don't we? you just skip intro every time 
So a theme tune's often got shorter and shorter and shorter. Yeah. Like four bars, and then you go, oh, and then like, yeah. everything's theme tune is the, the Netflix. Ka-dung. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that was quite nice. Um, yeah, and then we have this sequence where we are in what looks like a train station. Um, yeah. Now, something, uh, before we kind of get into it in a bit more uh, detail, scene by scene, something that I really love genuinely about the opening is that it doesn't spend any time telling you who the people are. Yeah. Um, and I actually really appreciate that in in uh, TV shows where you're not having to just kind of wade through exposition to learn who they are. It feels like these lives and these characters and these relationships have been going on before this show yeah. started and this show just starts at a random point. Um, obviously, you're, you're following two central figures, uh, Jeff Slade and Holly Turner played by Michael French, who you'll know from EastEnders. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a show called Born and Bred, where, where he played uh, the son of James Bolam, and they were a father and son GPs in the countryside in the early noughties. And I loved it. It was on a Sunday evening at seven o'clock. I loved it. Um, and and uh, and then, yeah, Holly Turner played by Chloe Annette, who you know, uh, a lot of you know as Kachansky from Red Dwarf. Um, and Sue Johnston. Sue Johnston's in it as the sort of commissioner of their police department. Grisham um and and michael french and chloe annette's characters are obviously very similar um to maddie and jonathan although the roles are kind of reversed yeah um which is nice uh but um i liked the fact that they were already clearly friends like you didn't have to do a thing of it would have been so easy for them to have created a scenario where they she just joined or he just joined onto the force that day and then they met but i liked the idea that we had to kind of play catcher um, in in a good yeah. way, in in you know ways like, you know, I mean, I'm not saying crime problems up there with the West Wing, aren't you? Uh, yeah. I knew you were going to do that, but I um, agree, I agree. With it's you. that thing of the, you know, the the pilot episode of the West Wing, um, one of the greatest television shows ever made, uh, is starting at a point where all these characters have relationships, they've all worked together for years on the Jed Bartlett campaign, yeah. and you have to literally catch up as you're watching. I love that. Um, and every episode's like that. And, yeah, and and I think you know. Same with shows and theatre shows that we kind of go to. I, I, I think we, we both uh, have, share a bit of a, a taste for things that require work of the audience. Absolutely. Um, now, this show, for very different reasons than what I just described, <laughs> uh, asked a lot of work on, mm-hmm. on me um, mm-hmm. today. But before we, before we get to those uh, bits, we're, we're in this um, situation where there's a police kind of raid, uh, kind of, you know, they're, they're going to pounce on a criminal in a train station. Grisham's giving everyone their jobs, being very hard on Michael French, and um, it's is quite it clear is that... it Reading? Is it Marlebone? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, location pedantry came into play here, especially as David's forte. He was like, oh, "Is that?" It... I said, "What?" I was thinking, "What it's station both. is that?" They went, "It's they've... Reading Station," yeah. but the entrance to it is Marlebone. They've definitely filmed at both stations. Yeah. Um, and but also, why? where's that crew being the, be- to? the best thing about it is when it shows the outside of the station it just says station in yeah. big letters so they got there's... rid of the sign or filmed a bit where there wasn't a sign then built a sign that just said I... station honestly i think they've built a sign because if you look at it <laughs> yeah it's so oversized i've yeah, never seen huge. any station have a sign it's not made thing. it's not made to fit anything specific no it? it's it's yeah. been made to cover an entire place name and yeah. sta- it's been made to cover reading station and this is a trope that we'll see throughout the two episodes of when it comes to places and things and companies they just are named what they are. Yeah, but like, why is Anthony Horowitz really paranoid about being sued? I don't, I don't know. Copyright infringement. I don't know if it's him. It could be. It could be Rick Stroud, our director. 
uh, being pressured by production managers. Um, but yeah, the, the, so they're going to ambush this criminal um, and you've got Michael French sipping a kind of really dainty Costa coffee cup. I was like, I don't even remember that being a thing. I don't even remember Costa being around that much in the 90s. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Although uh, we, I, I uh, did a, a quiz for some friends of ours the other day, Callum participated in, and I learned during the research for that quiz that Greg's has been with us since 1939, yeah. which blew my mind. So God knows how long Costa's been around. But I mean, yeah, it, it, I... What institutions? Greg's? I remember Costa from about 2004, five-ish. Yeah. But maybe that's just because as kids I didn't really start care about to coffee shops. shops yeah. 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 Um, but they're all kind of... <clears throat> like, you know that scene in Marlebone Station, actually? No, it's, it's Waterloo in, um, in I think it's the Bourne Ultimatum. Yes. And yeah. and there's this sequence where there are lots of people and they're kind of like timing it and they're yeah. radioing each other into their... Yeah. It's like that, but shit. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> like that but michael french is yeah. there sipping coffee and sue johnson's on an escalator at one point someone else is on another part of the station yeah someone on platforms um, we need to bring up now the fact that there's a child working for the police force oh okay uh, so we we all, uh, yeah among our kind of main characters there's also another main character he's about eight years old um he's got very curly hair he's very posh we learn in the second episode that he's a graduate the graduate trainee police officer yeah. i don't think is a thing that exists but well, fine. I, I suppose it's like that thing of, of uh, a, I don't, this still happens when you used to when, work you went to the army if you had a degree before you went into the army then you'd go in as an officer as officer right um and i, I think maybe that that's what's happening in 1997 with the police force that if you've got a degree then you go in as a trainee detective rather than a uh, policeman on the beat i mean you know, I'm, that ass- I'm assuming he's there on work experience because he's definitely just on his gcse's he's so. been given a lot he's been given a lot of responsibility <laughs> um i mean i i, I said he, he he looks a bit like a wooden he looks like he's made of wood he's like a wooden <laughs> puppet boy he's a wooden puppet boy <laughs> and david said he, he makes me want to be a school bully <laughs> so what do you mean and you were like i just want to bully him you know exactly what i mean look i i <laughs> I, I was not a bully at school. I was not bullied at school. Yeah. I went to private school, so everyone at, by age 11 was more interested in their own stocks and shares and <laughs> taking over their <laughs> parents' companies than actually bullying anyone. Mm. Um, but uh, it was, um, uh, for some reason, just looking at him and his voice and his face. Yeah, he's a prick. Uh, I, just wanted, I just wanted to take his lunch money. Little what can I say? I'm not, I'm not going to apologise for it. Some people um, need to be bullied, but they're all they're all doing their ball ultimatum pits right, and they're radioing on these radios. Oh my god, they're the so size of they're so big, like I... small children. Yeah, they're huge, and they're and they're pretending that no one can see them. My my note, I'm not quite sure why I wrote this. My note was just unsuitable walkie talkies. Unsuitable. Unsuitable. They're huge, <laughs> absolutely huge, and seemingly unnecessary because all of them. Although they're shot at different points. When they're actually talking to each other, they're all within about five square yards of yeah. each other. Well, they're trying to catch a criminal. Um, yeah. G- generic. He's been doing his crimes. Um, and there's a point where Sue Johnston's like, well, someone's like, oh, mom, he's he's spotted us. He knows we're here. And she's yeah. like, how can that be? And you were like, how can it be? Look at you walking. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Because <laughs> they're so blatant where they are as well. Because, like you say, Sue Johnston literally halfway up like two like you know when you get like an escalator and then it's a bit of ground and another escalator she's in between two escalators no one else is around her in the middle of it 
where there's a massive concourse being able to look up at yeah. on a giant walkie-talkie. I'm like, yeah, I wonder why he's seen you. The only thing that would have thrown them off the scent of them being police is the fact that there was a wooden puppet of a young Jasper Carrot <laughs> shadowing <laughs> Sue Johnston around. That's the only thing that would have confused the criminal. Um, but yeah, so so they go into a, to a chase. Michael French decides to chase the criminal. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what he's done at this point, uh, but he looks a bit kind of bad. And, yeah, and then they there's run this out, weird sorry, car chase. But just before they get, they run out of the station. But the front of the station, they've now clearly just filmed somewhere that isn't a station. It's like a reception. Yeah, it and is I'm like, weird. No, no, even in the 90s, no train station in the world has ever had a, res- a, a reception desk. What do you mean even in the 90s? Like, there's no logical reason <laughs> for it happening. Oh, it must have been the 90s. No, it's in, like, it wasn't like in the past. Train <laughs> yeah. stations had receptions. In the old days. With receptionists yeah. manning them. Like, that's, it's, the, it's, it's a reception of an office. I, was like, I don't know why they filmed it there. But it's meant to be leaving the station. So a criminal then jumps onto a motorbike um, wearing a mustard, um, like, moleskin jacket, which I think features quite heavily in episode two. Yeah. Um, But I think it's the same jacket, but he's riding this motorbike and he's quite a big... uh, What? Sorry. Sorry. He's... The criminal isn't riding the motorbike, is he? Michael French is riding the motorbike. Michael French is riding the motorbike Michael in French. pursuit. But the stunt double for Michael French and the motorbike is the size <laughs> of the villain. Because it cuts back to every time there's a little bit of a like a quick yeah. shot. He's twice the he's huge. Yeah. So I thought for a while that he was the villain. Yeah. He wasn't no, Michael he's not. French. Michael yeah, Michael French yeah. is riding the bike. Um, but yeah, you would be forgiven for believing he wasn't because they couldn't find a stunt double the same size as an average size person. Yeah, also, the bits that they actually showed him weren't when he was doing stunts. Yeah. Like, there was only a a couple of stunts at the end. Um, But anyway, yeah, that happened. There are clearly other points on Michael French is riding the motorbikes and like what. And cut long story short, after a really convoluted chase, uh, the the villain tries to drive Michael French off the top of a um, uh, multi-story car park and Michael French kind of runs out the way. Which, by the way, I think they're now in Watford. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was Watford. I'm pretty sure this whole thing is filmed in Reading, Marlebone, Watford. I'm pretty sure there was a bit when it was in Kingston. It's 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 like they're tr- they're really trying to make sure they don't make anything look specific London. Like I'm starting to think that this was London. like the location manager for Crime Traveller was the character in Jonathan Creek who had to find locations <laughs> at four a.m. before they started shooting. <laughs> Rebecca Front's character. Rebecca Front. <laughs> Um, so yeah for any podcast macabres out there might get that reference but yeah really odd location choices I don't know how they they shot these sequences Um, but Michael French dashes out the way and the villain drives off the multi-story car park probably in Watford into a lake yeah and then the car sinks within about a few minutes and they never find the body Um, and Sue Johnston is very annoyed at Michael French you know you've screwed it up again and she fires him and you said to me at this point what you said I don't know it feels like a long time ago now you said do you think he's a maverick that doesn't play by the rules (laughs) (laughs) to which I responded no I think he's an idiot like (laughs) all the evidence we have supports Grisham's suspicion that he's not a very good policeman because none of what he's done 
has resulted in anything good. They've just lost the suspect, can't find the body's escaped by swimming to victory. I don't know. That he's not very good at his job. Like, that's yeah. the main establishment of Crime Traveler. He's not a very good policeman. Yeah. He's not very bright, um, and he doesn't seem to have any charm because he's played by Michael French, yeah. who, uh, although being very popular and quite handsome in the 60s, in the, in the 90s, <laughs> yeah. um, he, he, he he's not a charismatic actor, is he? I don't know. I don't know. I think he's got charm. I think I think to a nine-year-old boy, maybe. Yeah. But I've I've never I've always struggled with anything that has Michael French in it. Interesting. Um, yeah. Um, so that's kind of our opening sequence, and that's where we meet our characters. Yeah, and so they're back at the police station, and uh, we see um, Chloe Annette's character, Holly Turner, um, is in the police. In, in in her office in the police station doing some science business. She's a um, she's a science officer. Yeah, is, again, it's a post that's only ever existed on Star Trek. In Star Trek, yeah, that's exactly what, what I thought when she referred to science. I was like, that's forensic, like, forensic scientist. Yeah, and there's a bit in the second season, um, in the second episode rather, where she says, "I'm a quantum physicist. I don't know what I'm doing here." I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, "No, right. if, if you don't, then we're screwed." Throw us a bone. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So she's doing some science stuff. They all come back in after Jeff Slade, Michael French, has, has yep. screwed up uh, the thing, let the guy obviously either get away or die in the river, caused all this criminal damage. So um, he gets fired from the police force. She's like, that's it. Um, Sue Johnson, that is Grisham. Are you suspending me again? You're suspending. No. Yeah, no, that's it. Now you're out. Um, and uh, Holly Turner hears all this and decides that she can do something about it so she does she goes back home she goes back home and that's where we meet the time machine the time machine the time machine my is lord the most 90s thing i've ever seen in my life it's it's lovely it, i don't know if it is the most 90s thing you've ever seen in your life i think it's the most 1950s thing <laughs> like yeah no no you're right it's it's something made in the 1950s that's set in the 1980s when they thought that was the future. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and BBC Budget in 97 has gone, ah, oh, you know what? We'll make a time machine. What are we going to make it of? Well, an old laptop, which yeah. is, which is uh, by those standards, a, a new laptop, you know, yeah. um, which is kind of on the side. The screen doesn't do anything, but it's there. No. And we're going to attach it to a large kind of square structure. Yeah. And it's got some perspex plastic yeah, kind of Yeah, lots of circuit boards going on. Lots of circuit boards, which are great. And then it has a reel-to-reel tape deck. I don't yeah. know what that's doing yeah. there. Um, I think my favourite thing of it, I don't know if you spot this, was like the 1960s white retro TV monitor. Yeah. yeah. I was like like one of those ones that's round. Yeah. That were really popular in the 60s. I was like, what, what's that doing? Why is that? Why is that? Really that? bizarre. Yeah. I, having said that, they did make a resurgence in the 90s when people made kitchen-sized televisions with round backs. Remember those? That's true, yeah. And if, if you're yeah, really yeah, yeah, posh, you'd have a yeah. kit TV in your kitchen. Um, um, so, I mean, the props master had a field day. Just, they I were mean, loving it. I don't, I don't, I mean, it would be unmovable. Like, you couldn't, <laughs> like, that's the only thing that's definitely not shot on location. Yeah. And that's definitely in the studio. Because if you moved one paperclip, yeah. the whole thing would collapse. Oh, also, by the way, she is, uh, by her own admittance in the second episode, uh, a broke science officer working for the met she yeah. lives in a beautiful house 
off Sloane Square, right? That's what those houses are only yeah. exist. That's specifically that architecture only exists in that bit. I know that's what you just mean. off Sloane Square. Gloucester, Gloucester yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. little a, a lovely Chelsea first floor apartment in one of those beautiful old uh, yeah. kind of dark red brick. She's old money buildings. Like, where's that? Yeah, and also your whole time machine's running off your 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 home. Your, your one-bedroom flat power source. Also, there's a weird bit where she fires up the time machine to go and do what she's going to do for Michael yeah. French. And in order to make it work, she has to close the... Because um, like, this, this is, again, it is an old townhouse, right? So it's in this huge w- wooden shutters on the inside. Yeah. And the Yale lock on either side of the shutters yeah. is... That's the current. That that there are wires attached to either side of it, so the current has to go through an old lock. Yeah. In order, like, why? Yeah. Just why design it that way? Like, what a stupid thing to do. And uh, yeah, um, but, her, her... but but what I will say, and maybe I've just been blinded by Jonathan Creek <laughs> and the big hit and all this other stuff that we've done. I genuinely was a bit impressed by the blue lights going up. When she when she does the time machine and the like, because it looked, it didn't. I thought it looked alright for the nineties. I was expecting it to be worse, is what I think I'm saying. There's and a, there's a like, line. You know what? It's 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 sort of okay. There was a line I was going to bring up that, that happens in the next scene when uh, ultimately, spoiler, Michael French uh, as Slade, Jeff Slade, comes and discovers the time machine as well. Um, and he says after that blue light happens, he goes, "What? Is it just photocopied us?" Because that's exactly what it looks it like. It is David. what it looks like. But and they call it out, which is great. But <laughs> it's not impressive. I th- it's not necessarily that it's impressive, but I thought that it looked like it was really happening in that room. It didn't look like it had been like superimposed or really crappy like CGI. Like I thought it looked like it was part of the same shot as what was in actually happening in there. Like it hadn't been put on in post-production. You're lying to millions of people <laughs> now i'm lying because there are millions of people but that's not, that's not true looked awful uh check it out yourself uh, ben maybe you could be the deciding uh judge in this you've requested this yeah ben let us know what you think i thought it looks fine um but yeah it's uh it, it's quite it is charming this is that this is the point i think um even if it whether you think it's naff or you think some bits are quite good yeah it does have a kind of warm and fuzzy feeling yeah. about it in a way that I think people you know talk about getting with Doctor Who or yeah. or, um, or I certainly get with Jonathan Creek yeah. when something's a bit naff yeah um, or I used to before I started doing podcasts <laughs> so. Um, so so yeah so she goes to Reading Marlebone Watford Station yeah. and um, on, on her way out incidentally she she we meet her long-suffering janitor of the building oh, Danny Danny who's played by um, a cross between John Lennon I think you said yeah um, and the caretaker from Play Days. <laughs> yeah. It's that. It's, um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting little kind of cameo. Yeah, sorry. She passes him and she's off to Marleybone Station. Yeah, and she is is trying to get... Well, why is she there? So, right. She's so there to find the criminal. She finds the criminal ahead of... Ahead of, yeah. of the squad getting So there. they can apprehend him without having to do the big chase and get... Well, I thought that, yeah. but that's not what happens she goes to find him and he has for some reason checked in his luggage yeah in to a weird desk yeah weird private desk at the end of like a 
a an, a, an empty hall with no windows. Like, I, I don't know where this check-in desk is. Not, but it's a part of a hospital. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a weird bit of a hospital you go into when you go, oh, I thought yeah. this was the... I've gone the wrong way. That's yeah. that bit of a hospital. Yeah. Um, and she goes and she pilfers his bag. Yeah. Um, and we learn when she gets back to the station, she gives it to uh, Jeff Slade. And inside the bag are three knives one of which is kind of like a long like a sword like a mini yeah. sword and she says i've run it for tests he's got his fingerprints all all over it and three types of blood and jeff yeah. slade says it was his calling card and sue johnson says oh all right then slade i'll let you off this one so is she forensics is she a pathologist is she i mean what, what she's a quantum the physicist, science Dave. yeah okay i don't know why she's running anything for fingerprints it's not her job but <laughs> no, i think she was lying um i also think what we saw her do wasn't true because he was checking in a bag of murder weapons at a train station. <laughs> and Mike, Jeff Slade explains that the way he worked it out, which of course he didn't because Holly did, um, was he noticed that he wasn't tr going to get a train at all. How did you know that? Because he had his car outside. Well, yeah, in a train car park. That yeah. People drive to trains. It, that Like... Especially in the 90s, everyone drove everywhere. If you got a train somewhere, you drove to the station. That's why train stations have huge car parks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's not really much to go on. But also, if he wasn't getting a train, then why was he checking in his bag at a weird hospital dead end? Yeah. Like, none of it made any sense. But it did no. tell us that Holly had a soft spot for Jeff Slade. Yeah. And um, it also told us that Holly has a time machine. Yeah, it told us that More she importantly. has some cereal boxes attached to a tape deck yeah. inside a giant photocopier. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so she goes back, tells Jeff Slade what's going on, ostensibly saving his uh, career. career. And yeah. he's like, how did you know that? You How did you get back there and back here again so yeah. fast? He, take, he takes her for lunch to thank her and, yeah, and try yeah. and well, get the answer. Yeah, well, he doesn't. He says... And she goes, oh, you won't believe me. And he says, try me. And then it cuts to them at lunch and him having just taken a drink going, a time machine. I was like, okay, you're not going to show us, <laughs> not going to show us the important conversation about her explaining it's weird cut. Yeah, so I really filled in the gaps edit. there, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're that, didn't, yeah no, that didn't happen. <laughs> I um, made that in my mind. But I don't, like, he's sort of surprised by it. I don't feel he's as shocked as a normal person should be after someone's telling you that they've got a time machine. Yeah, like but he's this is Michael French and everything he does. He looks like he's on a lot of lithium. He doesn't right. like what's going on with you and Michael French. <laughs> he's just a really boring no, actor. There's something deeper going. We'll 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 find out. I don't. It's not on like Bob Hoskins level. <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find um, out. Yeah, but he is. He does. He does, his character at least uh, in this. I'll be fair. Um, the way the the choices being yeah. made is that yeah he's not that um, he's not that shocked or surprised yeah. or any emotion. It's yeah it's 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 weird. He he disbelieves her and thinks she's joking, and then when she says no, I'm not joking, he then decides to believe. It. It's it's very odd. Yeah, it's very odd. Um, that and at one point he's sarcastic, so going along with which it, which is yeah. very difficult. I mean, we know that uh, the president of the states at the moment is is struggling with the concept of sarcasm. <laughs> But uh, Jeff Slade certainly doesn't get it. He can't deliver it. Um, um, so, yeah. So, um, we also learned during this lunch that um, her dad was a napkin. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm going to have to explain this. So... No, her dad was a napkin. They're out of this more. That's not it. Um, but at this stage, why not? Um, in for a penny. Her 
father was called Frederick, um, and he was an inventor. Mm-hmm. And she explains that he uh, that she he just, died. My, my father was Frederick Turner. Frederick Turner, the quantum physicist, and as if she's a bit annoyed that he doesn't know who yeah. he is. I'm like, all right, we don't all know quantum physicists. But also, it's your bubble. So, yeah. So, so we like. <laughs> If we knew it and he didn't, then we'd know that he was dumb and that would be the function of that piece of writing. Yeah, but yeah. if no one knows it, <laughs> yeah. then it's just, it just feels like she's being a bit arrogant. But fine. Um, and that he died. And then there's this big pause of about, it's about a second, which on screen is quite a long time. And then there's a big close-up on the napkin a she's holding. A specific close-up at the end. Goes, and oh. it says Giovanni. Yeah. So I think her, her dad was not only a napkin, but a napkin named Giovanni. <laughs> At this point, it's just the structuring of it is so much designed to make you believe that the napkin yeah. is reminding her of her father. And it's so bizarre because we both at the same time went, oh, that's a napkin. And we don't really know the relevance of the father yet. No. Um, but yeah, uh, so so that happens. And then we're back to uh, wooden puppet boy Jasper Carrot comes <laughs> yeah. in. And he said, I don't, so I don't know why he knows that they're there. No, I don't know. But later on, he says, we had lunch to yeah. French. So I think that he was having lunch at a different table in the same restaurant. <laughs> they were, yeah. Like, do they all go yes, for a stop because, up Italian meal yeah, every because lunchtime? There's, there's um, another another policeman, I think, called Morris. Oh, Morris. Oh, yeah. With them. And he says... Like a poor man's Rodney trotter when the napkin comes back into it he says oh morris did you come in here as if morris was at that lunch as well so i think morris and little wooden puppet jasper carrot <laughs> were at a different table to jeff slade why? why were they all having lunch in this restaurant? i don't know it looked really nice though and i i feel like it doesn't exist anymore i feel like it might be in that, that little venice area it fe- like on it, the yeah, water I, it feels like little venice but you you and i know little venice very well um, and I don't ever remember seeing a no. restaurant that goes out like it is a bridge over Little Venice. So I'd, I'm sad. I feel like that restaurant doesn't exist anymore. Not that we could go there at the moment, anyway. Even if maybe it was that was in uh, Watford <laughs> or yeah. Reading, yeah, or Chelsea, yeah. Um, but then we then we go back to um, Sue Johnston, mm-hmm. um, and she's got a case uh, that she wants her boy Morris on. She wants French on Sue Johnson, Pop- right? She- not you had an issue with her head. Didn't yeah. You? Also Grisham, playing Grisham, not the actor. Yeah, no, the actor. With him, well, as I said, as I said to uh, to Callum before we started recording, I said it's quite funny because I realised watching this that I know Sue Johnston because of Crime Traveller because I remember watching <laughs> The Royal Family for the first time and going, oh, it's Grisham from Crime Traveller, which I <laughs> not that many people did, but uh, that's that's where I, I I knew her from this series first. That's how much I loved it. Um, but no, Grisham, right? She is so micromanaging and it, and i i felt like she was watching me <laughs> what, like ju- like making sure i was reviewing the episode for the podcast okay like she was so on everyone's case the whole episode i said like, let them let them go let me get on with my work let them get on with their work come Give on them space to breathe. yeah yeah she's very micromanaging um but, but I mean, yeah, and she's a great actor, uh, Sue Johnson. I, I I worked out that I think my earliest memory of her is Waking the Dead. Of course, yes. She's, she's Trevor John, Eve. Trevor Eve's uh, 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 like senior. Yeah. Um, and she's brilliant in that, and of course, fantastic in the Royal Family. Yeah. Who can forget? Um, 
Yeah, wonderful actor. But Grisham, not a likable character. Very annoying. No. Doesn't really seem to know what's going on either. Um, and... Well, it's like, why, why, why send apparently your entire police force under your... Because we never see anyone else there that she was yeah. four, four people and a quantum physicist as Grisham's team for some reason <laughs> um, one of those four people is a tiny wooden puppet of Jasper Carrot um, <laughs> and I send them to this murder scene but then when we go she's there as still so why are you going with them why are you sending them if you're just going to go anywhere like let them let them gr- spread their wings and fly <laughs> but also why why if you don't trust them like hire better policemen <laughs> yeah at this yeah. point, I understand why, why she doesn't trust French because he's yeah. got a terrible track record. She's a she's a she's a helicopter parent. She is, she is a helicopter parent. Yeah. Um, Before but, that term existed. Yeah, but um, but they do. They go to the yeah. crime scene, and Sue Johnson follows them, and they're at this kind of large mansion. Yes, uh, and the demon headmaster's been shot. And the demon headmaster. Um, you got it. Right. I didn't because he had a moustache. It, it, it threw, threw me off. off. <laughs> it, threw, it threw you off. Yeah. It, it was very... It's amazing what a moustache can do. Um, but yeah, uh, t- Terence... Um, Hill, 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 oh, He's remember. the demon headmaster. <laughs> well. He'll always be the de- he will. demon headmaster. Do you know what I was me. thinking about this? I was thinking about this. Like, because of our generation being one that so largely grew up with TV in yeah. our lives, probably more than any generation that preceded us. I mean, well, I know it's around in people's homes since the 60s, but I think, you know, I think as time's gone on, generations have, um, you know, rightly or wrongly gone more and more kind of indoors. Yeah. And TV's become a bigger and bigger part of people's growing up. And I was thinking about these actors that <laughs> aren't really big names, but everyone of our generation knows everyone would know the demon headmaster yeah because we all grew up watch and because when you're that age you you you're not going to the pub you're not going you've not got a yeah. job you're not going out meeting friends socially for a lot of things you so the vast majority of people will know who the demon headmaster is possibly more people of our generation know who the demon headmaster is than some like really than like chris pine or like yeah. some really well known hollywood actors because it was just such a, a kind of yeah omnipresent show um the queen's nose bernard's watch they probably don't realize how uh, large an effect they've had on a whole generation yeah absolutely. i'd be interested to see if um if they'd be surprised by that and probably disappointed that they're not richer yeah well i I remember a friend of mine from uh when i was at sixth form college uh back in bath we were in uh uh, what dixon's what became curry's um dixon's and uh uh tony gardner was in there who of course uh, my my parents are aliens my parents are aliens and uh my friend anisa walked up to him and went sorry were you brian and my parents are aliens and he was like yeah and it was like before the thick of it and before like so he wasn't really like you know well known at that point and he was really touched by it and she was just like oh you're such a like big part of my kind of growing up and things and he was yeah he he was really touched yeah oh that's Um, nice a nice story so yeah so it's always nice to see the demon headmaster pop up he popped up in jonathan creek as a swiss banker oh yeah didn't he yeah he did oh Um, dear oh dear oh dear dear. um yeah and uh similar circumstances is found at his desk just like he is as a swiss banker yeah it's... with a gun oh it's a bit weird now isn't it yeah it's really similar i'd not thought about how similar it was is yeah. is it some sort of crossover maybe he only does 
hypnotizing children or suicides at desks. Yeah, that's it. It's in his rider. That's it. Um, but yeah, he uh, he is found with a gunshot to the head, very very badly dra- drawn on <laughs> felt tip pen bullet wound in his head. Yeah, and Jeff Slade comes in. He's got a gun. He's got a gun in his hand. Yeah. bullet on his head, and it's supposedly a locked room. And I was like, oh, call Jonathan. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a locked room mystery here. Um, and Jeff Slade runs in. He's trying to work out what's going on. He goes outside and sees a bullet hole in a lamp and sort of looks at it a bit quizzically and then just goes oh and like obviously assumes that that was already there mm. and i was like no at, like one you wouldn't if there's been a gunshot and it's mysterious circumstances he from the get-go yeah for some reason doesn't believe it um he's adamant that he's not killed himself yeah, but he's um, a dreadful cop yeah <laughs> yeah you've got but, to let me but know if, this he, if he's start. already adamant about that he's not going to look at a bullet hole that's gone through a lamppost outside it. that's that's in line with the window of of the room that was locked where he, this guy was been shot and go, ah, oh, that's probably there before. And also, I don't believe that no other policeman that had already been there looking for stuff would have not gone, oh, wait a minute, there's a bullet hole in that. That's probably how it happened. But I mean, I'm not going to comment too much because my brain starts to hurt. And you'll understand why. Um, yeah. Uh, when we get there. But yeah, he says it's a, it's a textbook case. Um, yeah. And uh, kind of, you know, open and shut. Um, but something is a bit dodgy because as he's leaving, uh, a gentleman called Mark, yeah. who turns out to be the business partner of deceased uh, murdered demon headmaster, uh, he turns around and refers to Jeff Slade as Wilson. He says, sorry, do I know you? He says, yes, you're Wilson, the caterer. I've, yeah. You've been here to sort out the catering. So he goes, oh, hang on a minute. Why does this guy know me as someone else? That's weird. And at that point, it gives him the idea. And they've also found the napkin, the Giovanni napkin. And the Giovanni napkin. The image of her late father. <laughs> image of, well, the spirit of Frederick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Frederick, the Frederick Turner. So he gets, from this, he has an idea. And he's like, hang on a minute. Old Holly has told, told me um, that she's got a time machine. And I've just been recognised for someone who I'm not. I wonder if I could go back in time and find out what really happened here because something a bit fishy is going on. And that's what they do. Yeah. Go to Holly's. Um, she says, oh, I don't normally do this kind of thing. Oh, no. Oh, oh all right then. So yeah. we'll do it just this once, right? Just this once. And so they go back in time. They go to the mansion uh, a few hours, well, a few minutes before yeah. um, their parallel selves or mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, alternate um, selves do. Um, and they start... They gain access in into the mansion because they're posing yeah. as caterers. Yeah. And Jeff Slade calls himself Wilson. He knows to call himself Wilson because that's what the name yeah. that Mark gave him previously. Yeah. Um, so they take two normal caterers hostage beat them up tie them up throw them in the back of a van steal their catering van and then drive them to the mansion leave them in the back of the van go in fake making a cheese souffle which they can't do and whilst they're there they get lots of information about the fact that mark the business partner and his son michael actually both hate the demon headmaster and the wife doesn't like him either because he's a sexist pig um uh my favorite quote of the episode um I think I know what this is going to be. Is uh, we learn so the demon headmaster runs sort of yeah airplane making company, an Airbus type company, obviously, and he's selling it 
to a Japanese firm. And his business partner is not happy about this. And they're having an argument in his office, the office where the yeah. master is shot, uh, ultimately. And his business partner says, the Japanese aren't interested in aviation. They never have been. I was like, what? Where's that come from all of a sudden? What does it mean? I don't think it's true. I, I think the Japanese have lots of aviation companies. Don't, don't we have a huge history of yeah. Japanese fighter pilots <laughs> and Pearl Harbor and... Like, the... Pearl Harbor! I mean, I mean Harbor. there's a huge Japanese at the forefront Japanese of... Japanese aren't interested in aviation. They never have been. Absolute lie. Um, but an important one, because it's Mark's... It turns out to be Mark's motivation for doing um, the dirty. Yeah. on his business partner we learn later on so they're there and they also hear um uh just before that there's another annoying thing that happens there's a skid and uh, a car crash um and the skid's really loud and yeah. then there's like a, it's like a, and they neither of them hear holly or uh slade hear the the skid but they hear the crash they hear the crash like yeah. just you've just taken a stock noise haven't you you've just taken that from a foley yeah like, you should be better than this if it's not and now i know that it was 9 p.m yeah on prime time shocking and it's full of those little kind of things but you know slightly charming um and so so this is one thing that annoys me uh because it's the first time that i in the series where i've gone i just wrote in big capital letters how does time travel work yeah and we we had the first of long... many powwows we, we had. Yeah, we had to have a long chat. I um, mean, yeah, I I drew some diagrams. You did. You do too. Um, yeah. Um. It's it's tough, and and I'm actually with you because I do think they break their own rules a couple of times in this episode. Yeah. Um. Because, yeah, they're actually if you read the Wikipedia page, um, which I I won't bore you by by reading out now, but if you read the Wikipedia page of crime traveler they list the crime traveler laws of time travel right and i'm pretty sure if you do read those that a couple of things that happen in this episode can't work based on those right. laws and that's the fundamental thing you have to do if you do a time travel based piece of fiction i, I remember watching a, a documentary about back to the future i think it was and uh, robert zemeckis the director was talking about you know how meticulous they had to be about about writing down and adhering and creating this this law this these mm. these their own rules and saying you can you can make it up as much as you want and make it as ridiculous as you want but you have to follow those rules in within your own logic of how time travel works same with things like bill and ted you know each and anything that involves time travel um, about time great richard curtis film um which actually i think there's a great bill nye line in it when um the scene where he's he's telling donald gleason and his son that they've mm. got this hereditary power to travel back in time within their own lives and donald gleason just like, asks all these questions and he and just goes oh, it's probably best that you just don't worry about all that too much yeah <laughs> and I'm just like yeah it was because because we all have those thoughts when we watch time travel things don't we we all our brains all start to hurt and go but hang on how can he be there and he, like my mum my I cannot do it at all it's so funny whenever i watch anything time traveling with her she's like but how are they Right, what's happened here? How are they there? How can they do it's it? It's difficult. I said it to is. you, I thought, I, you know, I've had quite a busy day today. Oh, I'm really looking forward to doing the Crime Traveller podcast. Made myself a cup of tea, sat down. Yep. And then within 20 minutes, I had to do an A-level in time travel <laughs> and fictional rules of it. And David was there drawing 
you know, diagrams. And I'm going, but how can there be two of them? And he's going, because because they're on the set, because they're going back in time. They're traveling back in time. I'm like, that doesn't help me. Doesn't, stop saying they're going back in time. I know they're going back in time. But I don't, and it was, it's hard work. Yeah. But I think by and large, you know, once I got my head around it, yeah. It does start to make sense, but you have to ignore a couple of things. Yeah, I mean, as Bill Nye says. Yeah, just don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, yeah. And there, there's this moment where they're, you know, kind of trying to work out this crime. Not not prevent it from happening, because no. they don't want to change the course of history. No. Because we that's, all know the dangers. Big, no, no, you can't, you can't change the past. That's yeah. one of the big rules. She says that uh, to him at the beginning. You cannot change the past. So... Anything that has happened in the timeline they're in before they go back has to happen. Yeah, which is is why you get these moments like where um, uh, Michael Lombard knew who he was, uh, knew, knew knew he was Wilson yeah. even before he'd done that because for him that had already happened, but for Michael French it hadn't. Mm-hmm. But so he had to go. I mean, I was I was I I, I said to you, you know that the easiest thing to do in terms of understanding time travel and a lot of things is you have to let go of the idea that free will is a thing yeah. everything is predetermined and predestined so they regardless of what does, they didn't have a choice even though they thought they might have had a choice yeah even if they decided not to something would have happened that would have made them gone back in time anyway because they're saying they had to fulfill that thing yeah. no matter what for him to have seen it so it's yeah so it's tricky, but but actually, as a concept, narratively, once you stop having a panic attack over it, like I, you know, it is quite a nice idea. Yeah, because you're watching people make decisions, knowing that they weren't able to make any other decision than the one that they. Yeah, made. well, I mean, it's this thing, isn't it? Of you know, the the police procedural is such a well worn yeah. genre in television, and so everyone's always trying to, whether it's Jonathan Creek with magic or this with time travel, everyone's trying to. To find, you know, yeah, their own way. Their own way into uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then there are a couple of things that um, that happen. Um, and they they realise that clearly there's been a plot to, to kill him. Um, and, uh, but there's also this issue that they need to get back to the time machine. Yeah. Uh, and time's running out. Yes. So if you don't get to the time machine at the exact second that you left thereby closing the loop um you will be stuck in a time loop forever you'll be stuck repeating the same time yeah. uh which is what holly says happened to her father yeah who we know um as uh, as a frederick turner the napkin man yeah. um so yeah so he's you know never come back no. so she doesn't want to create the same mistake that her father make the same mistake and uh, have both um, her and Slade stuck in this time loop. So it's really important. So again, you've got high stakes in there. Yeah. Um, but not high stakes for the people, for the lives they're saving, because that's not the focus. So it's yeah. kind of, it's quite an interesting flip reverse of that uh, police procedural, quite right. Yeah. Um, uh, and then there's a bit of a confusing thing where they eventually get out um, of the room that they're trapped in. There's some terrible needing a wee acting by uh, the policeman uh, called Morris. Yeah. Um, it's just, just really gormless kind of moments. Um, and then he gets shot at. Um, yeah. And the shock of the gunfire throws him off the roof. And he kind of knocks himself out mm-hmm. and gets a scratch on his head. And and, and he's noticed that uh, the Demon Headmaster's been shot earlier than yeah. he was in the in the original timeline, I guess. Or, or, or as they thought it to be. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, he shot two minutes before two rather than two on the dot, but then there is a gunshot at two, but that's the gunshot of him firing what we think is firing at Michael French, of course, putting a hole in the, the lamp. lamp. Um, so he knows what happened now because he went back in time and saw what happened yeah. before it happened, but actually at the same time as it happened because the whole world's time loop has gone back on itself. Yeah. It's a confusing thing. That yes, is, it that's is. it, right? Um, yeah. Uh, they, um, they being Michael French, Chloe, and Nett, uh, Jeff Slade, and Holly Turner, uh, are now suspected uh, of being the ones that killed. Yeah. Uh, the Demon Headmaster, uh, as the Wilson caterers. So they make a getaway, and this is where they screw themselves up because they meet the the caterers from an apparent another timeline. But that doesn't make because own the only people that should be replicated are the people that went back in time. So that mm. wouldn't have happened in an in the same van. So there's a yeah. a double van. Yeah, there double character. There wouldn't be two vans. So that so that's yeah. something that doesn't add up. That and the caterers recognise them. Yeah, which, which again would make, make sense. sense. Yeah. So so yeah, a little bit of a confusing one there. Um, but yeah, quite quite cool. They get back um, and they explain everything. And they get let off again, and they and they get back in time. Most yeah. importantly, they get yeah. to the time machine. They get back in, the in time. They get back in time because of uh, Jeff Slade's work. See, seeing the gunshot into the lampshade, working up to two minutes before, he he works out who it is. Um, and of course, it is the man that thinks that Japan don't like planes. Mark. Um, yes, and uh, he, for some reason, gets. <laughs> gets like arrested but in grisham's office and everyone's just kind of around yeah. he's there's no pol actual like you know uh, old bill police officers yeah. you know there's no uniform there's no uniform cops it's, it's all weird it's all very weird i don't know how they've got him there um and then yeah he says something like oh is this what, what does he say the the, the 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 last line when michael french gets him up against well, I don't the know because I've got it mixed up with the next episode where a very similar thing happens. And right. he says, oh, can I take that as a confession? Oh, that's, yeah, yeah, That's the second, oh, episode, that the second episode, which we're going to dig into as well. Right, fine. Um, but yeah, it's a kind of a, a little one-liner that yeah. is like, is that enough evidence for you? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Can you let me go back to work now kind of yeah. thing? Um, so, yeah, so his job's been saved. He knows about the time travel. It all went well. It all went well. Apart and from for me, who's very tired and stressed at this point. Stressed. Yeah. It's like, it's like GCC maths, which I found very stressful. But um, yeah, that's the, and that's ostensibly the pilot. Yeah. And there's a little um, denouement at the end. Yeah. Again, I I only really think of these denouements like, like Jonathan Creek. Yeah. And yes, Agatha Christie, which is interesting mm -hmm. because as you said, that's Horowitz's inspiration for this. Yeah. But you don't see it in, in things, modern TV very often. No. Um, or if you do, it's much subtler. Whereas this very kind of clean point, one liner to the camera, that's the end of the story arc. Eventually, uh, you know, we cut now to um, Holly and, and Slade having dinner in a restaurant. They're eating cheese souffles, of course, as a reference back to their catering mishap yeah. earlier. Um, and she explains a little bit more about how you can't bet on a horse that hasn't raced yet because of parallel dimensions. Yeah. Time has rules. She says, uh, um... Yeah, that just as in life has rules, time travel has rules too, and you've got to learn that kind of slade. Um, and she says, are you trying to flirt with me? You know, you're trying to get my number. And uh, he says, no, no, not at all. But there's a start of a little frisson of a little romance yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which, is, which is great. Yeah, yeah. 
and and I'm gonna regret saying this, aren't I? As we continue, uh, but my memory of their burgeoning relationship is a lot. There's a lot more clarity than Maddie and Jonathan's. It's a lot clearer. Well, Maddie and Jonathan's. Yeah. Will they? Won't they? Oh no, they're not. Oh, they're definitely not. Wait, what? They slept together when? Oh no, now they hate each other. Now they're a couple. Oh, they're friends. Yeah, it's. It's, it's, it's a lot actually a lot clearer than that. Yeah, and also, um, although I, I find um, uh, you know Slade quite a gormless character, he's not very good at his job. Also, what, at one point we what, learned that he's... what did Michael French do to you? I don't know. He didn't do anything. Right. I just I didn't even really watch his stand. I couldn't tell you who he played. Then why do you hate him so much? Because he's so expressionless and dull and not very charismatic, and he doesn't seem to really understand what you're saying. In comparison to Holly, who's the character? Who's the actor who plays Holly? Chloe Annette. Chloe Annette. She's brilliant. She acts him off the screen. She acts Sue Johnson off the screen in this, I have to say. Um, yes, she's, she's brilliant. And, she, and, and just right in the middle of the genre. Um, Michael, is, if, you're, great. if you're listening to this, um, the views expressed by Callum on this podcast <laughs> do not reflect the views of the podcast. I have, a, I have a memory of him in a wig. Did he play a period character at one point? I don't know. Maybe. See, like, an, like a bit part in Hornblower or something. I really like Born and Bred, you know. Anyone listening out if, there? Maybe if I'd you, seen Born and Bred, I'd have a different... Who remembers Born and Bred? Give us a tweet. It's not really. You made um, it up. <laughs> you made it up just now to annoy me. <laughs> so we then moved that on to the second the episode. Yep. Uh, the second episode opens in the world's largest bank. It is huge. I thought it was an airport. And yeah, then I was no, like, oh I no, they're back in a an train airport. station again. And I was like, oh no, it's, it's just a bank. And we learn it's a bank <laughs> yeah. because the logo of the bank is bank. <laughs> In big, bold, capital like letters. Yellow letters. Yeah. Uh, it was like a teletext screen. <laughs> it was like yellow font over a black background. Just but the words again, bank. Again, like with the station, have they done it because they're in a real bank and they're just covering up the logo of Barclays? But yeah. because it's so big, they've had to just write bank in really big letters to cover but it up. But why not like, give it a big, long name? You yeah. know? Yeah. D- just make up yes. another name. Bank. Yeah. Bank, really, like, really like, it's, dumb. like it's made out of Playmobil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to go to bank now? The place, or no, the place where you get your money out. Yeah. Oh, bank. Yeah. Yeah. Bank. Uh, not even the bank, just bank. So we know that's what we're there because they've told us in uh, not no uncertain terms. Um, and she's trying to get um her overdraft set. Well, a loan. She's trying to get a yeah. loan. Yeah. Um, this whole episode revolves around uh Holly Turner's financial woes. <laughs> financial instability. Yeah. Um, of being a quantum physicist working for a, a police station which yeah quite right you could probably get a much better job much better paid if you're a quantum physicist i mean ridiculous and and you know she says i want a loan and the, the assistant manager says rather patronizingly you know you've already exceeded your overdraft like i don't really think you're the best candidate for a loan and she says all right well you can stop patronizing me and i'll just leave then so she does yeah she's all annoyed um Meanwhile, a Glaswegian character comes up to the bank teller's window with a note saying, I've got a gun. And then right behind him, Slade comes up, puts another sign on the window. Yeah. For the benefit of no one. Yeah. Saying, <laughs> yeah. so have so I. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is also ridiculous. How did he know that the guy had a note <laughs> saying, I've got a gun? And then know to write, so have I on it. If he'd known that long, he'd just arrest the guy. Yeah. To to be clear, he's not gone back in time at this point. He's so not that's gone back not in even time. an excuse that he can use. 
what also there's also no excuse for anyone in England mm-hmm. to have a concealed firearm on them no. because it's illegal. Yeah. It, no policeman in the UK is sanctioned to, to have on. a concealed weapon. Hang on. Didn't the laws change after Dunblane? Would Dunblane have happened Ooh, by now? Oh, my goodness. I hadn't thought of that old chestnut of history. Yeah. I don't know. 97. I'm pretty sure Dunblane had happened. Maybe it was a time when coppers could have handguns. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm I'm not sure. I, in uh, in my head, it's always been Dunblane was the thing that yeah. tightened up gun laws in this country. Um, I'll have a think. I'll have yeah. a think. Well, but yeah, that's a really interesting point. In which case, I retract my, my, my you know, um, perhaps prematurely. But yeah. But he's. it's very, I've never seen any n- drama where no. before 97, I mean, you watch frost or yeah any 60s you know no one has a gun no one has no, a it's, gun yeah it's, yeah it's very american isn't it very american um and uh yeah so so he pulls out a gun and they arrest this guy take him back to the station and prevent a bank robbery yeah um which also is interesting because does, does that mean that slade was just going to the bank with holly I during his working know. day yeah i'm not sure yeah i think he was he i thought this in this episode a lot he goes with her to a lot of places considering like yeah they're work friends but i'm not i'm not sure why she's not got people closer to her that would go and accompany her to like he goes to her goes with her to see her solicitor about a, a will like yeah. it's like what it's very odd um but he's following around he's obviously got the hots for her um and and so at this point stop again paying a solicitor on retainer you could save some money there that's a very good point like i don't know why <laughs> they all have these solicitors well actually no it's not her solicitor is it it's the aunt's oh is it i thought it was hers Oh no, because he gets. Yep, you're right. Sorry, yeah, yep. he gets the phone call from. He the gets the phone call. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I, 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 we'll get into the um, sisters meeting, but there's a, a big kind of swell of underscoring happening around here, and I can't remember particularly what it was, but it just reminded me a lot of Jonathan Creek. Yeah, yeah. but I weirdly better quality. Probably at the same time. It's yeah. um, it had a real like sensory memory thing, um, sensory memory moment for uh, yeah. Jonathan Creek, and I wonder how many kind of maybe it was the same composer. I have to look it up. I should have mm. done um but yeah really interesting yeah so they um go to the sisters go to the yes so um well they go to the station and learn that uh holly turner's auntie has died in a restaurant she's been murdered yeah murdered by poison in uh what what they assume is in her uh, the wine she's drinking in her white wine glass at this very swanky restaurant, Holly Turner's aunt was a sort of very rich socialite woman, um, and uh, she gets uh, wind uh, from her aunt's solicitor to say, "I need to talk to you about her, her will." So they go in, and she learns that she, her and another person who she doesn't really know um, have been left all of the aunt's money. And he says, "We don't know how much it's going to be yet, but a couple of years ago." She was left money by your late uncle, and it, it was in the region of about two million. Mm-hmm. Weird um, joke about mill and thou, and yeah, yeah, it weird, was fine. Yeah, it's kind of taking the mick out of a character that the actor playing the lawyer isn't playing. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel yeah. like it was written very differently to how the actor was playing it, and I I just think it's like it w- would work fine if the solicitor was was working in isolation but because there are other characters who respond to him as if he's doing something different yeah. it just doesn't work you just go yeah. 
like you know Stanislavski thing isn't it yeah. yes what, what do you say about others but what do others say about you yeah like, just do that bit because you're only you've only got five minutes of screen time <laughs> really yeah very, very odd performance yeah um but they go oh isn't this great because now holly you're gonna have money now this is where we learn also that the reason why holly doesn't have any money is not just because she's kind of randomly irresponsible but it's because every time she uses the time machine she has to she it breaks a piece of it breaks and she has to buy a replacement that comes yeah. in a delivery box i'm like right right <laughs> if you're the only person in the world that's got a time machine you're not going on to like amazon and ordering yourself a flux capacitor or i think what is it that goes a photon a photon something yeah a photon i'm like something. right that didn't come in a box no. that you then like attached but that's what we see happen um and so, yeah she's spending all this money on uh you know a month's wages per part um yeah which also makes me think i can see why you're not that keen on using the machine that so often. so she thinks because um in order to make more money what she should do is resign and i was like no that's yeah that's bad choice resign and go to university is what she said i was like what are you, what are you talking about you, you, you want more money so you're going to be- become jobless and then become a student. Like, what's your thought process? Because I don't even like being a policeman. I'm a quantum physicist. Yeah. Which is what, you know, what we've quoted several yeah. times. Should, should, what, what am I doing? I literally wrote, yes. What are you doing in a police station? What are you doing if you're, one, a science officer, which is yeah, a job that doesn't yeah. exist. But also, what are you doing if you don't want to? Yeah. Like, because it's not for the money, clearly. No. Uh, very odd. So I don't know what her motivation is. But it gives Slade a bit of motivation to go, no, no, don't leave. Why don't you use your time machine to go back yeah. and find out what happened with mm-hmm. the murder? Yeah. Um, and Holly's got no real motivation to do this because she's going to get the money anyway. Yeah. Um, but she's like, all right, I'll, I'll go and find out. So they do. Um, and at this point, again, I got very confused with the whole system of time travel. They go back to the house on the morning before uh, you know about an hour before uh, the aunt gets um offed in the restaurant um and they meet her boyfriend alex um who you know is much younger and she makes lots of kind of references to how they met in barbados and um yeah that she she keeps him in kind of expensive designer suits and she has a very long conversation with um Mark Punch's character Slade but he's you know she introduces him and says oh you know I'm Jeff he's he's here's Jeff and she says she gets his name wrong three times she calls him Biff and Cliff and something yeah. else yeah um and I think I remember you saying like this, you don't get people's name wrong that many times yeah and also very Bi- hammy yeah you know, Biff doesn't sound that much like Jeff he corrects her immediately. So yeah. she just heard it again for a second time and then calls him Cliff, which is similar to Biff, not to Jeff. So you're yeah. farther away than Jeff. Like, what's happening here? Um, and it is. It's very kind of hammy performance and doesn't really make much sense. But it is important to mention because Aunt May... Is it Mary? Sorry. Aunt Mary. Yeah. Aunt, Aunt, Aunt May's <laughs> Aunt a Tennessee May's... Williams character. Oh, yeah. Spider-Man as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and... Uh, so, so they have this extended conversation where she keeps getting his name wrong and he keeps correcting it. They're looking at each other. They're two feet away from each other. A good few minutes. They have yeah. a lot of information uh, shared between the two of them. Yeah. A lot of eye contact. 
worth remembering. Because after they leave, what do they then decide to do? They go to the <laughs> restaurant. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a little bit of a Holly Wavers at one point. He says, oh, maybe I shouldn't. Uh, yeah. He says, no, you should. She goes, why? And he goes, oh, I just do it. Yeah. Because again, remember, you you mustn't change anything. Yeah. Because she said, you know, you can't. Things always happen the way they happen. It's not worth it. And he says, but you know, you could save your auntie's life. Worth a yeah. go, worth a try. So she's like, okay, fine, we'll give it a go. I'm telling you, it's not going to work. Yeah. So yeah, they get to the um, restaurant. Uh, Holly poses as a food inspector. Yeah. Who we learn was there because Sue Johnson talks about it before they've even gone back in time. Yeah. So Sue Johnson talks about it before they've gone back in time. So Mary has. Uh, uh, cl- Holly has the idea of becoming a food inspector because she'd already done it, but yeah. without her own knowledge. Without her own knowledge, yeah. Um, which yeah. I find very confusing because it means that your memory is somehow wiped after you've time... Not after you've time traveled, but before you've time traveled. There's something yeah, because weird you going haven't done it yet. Yeah, so how could yeah. it? the effects of it have, have happened? Because you're saying it's happened to, it's other, happened people, to other people. It's happened to other people, yeah. But it hasn't happened to you. It's happened no, to another because version because you're going of you. back. Because it's happened to another version of you. No, it's not happened to... It has to have happened to a version of you for it to happen to someone else. No, because it hasn't happened yet. So the effects of it can't have happened. Yeah, they can to other people. In because you're to because you. they're bending time back. So other people will have experienced stuff that you haven't experienced yet. But yeah, you're never, never going to get it, guys. No? Okay. Um, but yeah, so there's a, it's quite a complicated uh, thing for my for my brain to get round. The whole yeah, I wrote in big capital letters at this point. The whole of time bends round. The only people who duplicate are the travellers, um, and uh, yeah, I still don't really understand how the how the memory crosses over. But that's how she gets the idea to be the yeah. inspector, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, Michael French decides to be a waiter, um, and he's now obviously being very careful. Yeah, he decides to do that after beating up and, and stealing the, stealing, yeah. the clothes of a waiter. I'm like, yeah, I'm a nasty look, guy. They they beat up and kidnap some caterers. I know. Episode. I'm just like, you don't get results. You don't solve cases apart from the help <laughs> of your science officer girlfriend, you fancy. And you are really ruthless in your actions. You're a terrible policeman. If anyone knows what Michael French did to Callum, if anyone has any information out my, there... It's, I think it's the character Slade do I don't like. Okay. Okay. It's very vehement about it. Um, charmless. So <laughs> he decides to, uh, yeah, kind of pose as a waiter so he can keep an eye on the auntie from not drinking the poison. Well, it's part of the plan. Yeah. You've got... Uh, um, Holly Turner in the kitchen, making sure that nothing's getting contaminated in there. You've got him out on the floor, making sure nothing's happening over there. Um, now, because she's literally just met him, had a full conversation looking directly at him for about five, ago. ten minutes, and only about 20 minutes ago, he's obviously very wary about her not seeing him. So he's yeah. right behind him, behind people, making sure his face is always turned, until he just isn't anymore. And yeah, until they just, just have a full-on conversation where she's looking at him, and I'm like, you absolutely recognise him. It's just happened. You've just met him. It's Cliff Biff Jeff. It's Cliff Biff Jeff. What? So I don't know why no acknowledgement of who he is. Don't know why that happens. Um, but she's having dinner with three of her enemies. Yeah. One's a dentist. One's a novelist. One runs a chemical company. Yeah. Fine. Very, very weird. Um. But they're having this conversation. 
and they try, you know, they're doing everything they can to try and mm-hmm. stop getting poisoned, but they can't. Um, she drinks it and drinks she it. dies. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then what happened? What happened? We were looking at everything. How has this happened? Yeah. And so uh, they, they they reckon that it's going to be one of these three people. Yeah. Right? So they go back to the office, the uh, the station, the police station. Um, and they're like, okay, it's going to be one of these three people. But Sue Johnson's not having it. No. She says, no, sorry, Holly, we know you murdered your auntie. Yeah. And she goes, no, but I didn't. What are you, what are you on about? And she says, but your yeah. fingerprints are all over oh, the glass. Yeah. We know that you posed as the that, inspector. Yeah. Um, and we know that you have access to um, potassium cyanide. Mm-hmm. And you knew all about it this morning, remember? Which is before she time travelled. Yeah. Um, so how did how else did it happen? And it made sense because she was about to change her will, but you found out yeah, just this morning. Yeah. So you've got the motive, and uh, Morris, uh, the poor man's Rodney Trotter, takes yeah. her away and locks her in a cell, which is a bit like you know vets, um, <laughs> like an animal hospital. Vets have little wire cages that they keep like cats in, and there are like t- towers of yeah. them. They, that's where they put them. They put, what, yeah. they, put, they put Holly in that. Next yeah. to the Glaswegian bank robber. Yes. Who turns into Lovely a jolly stuff. kind of sidekick. Yeah. For a bit. Yeah. Who she sets free. Yeah. Like, why? He's yeah. a bank robber. He took a gun into a, the bank. Yeah. So at this point, they've only got four hours to get yeah. back. We should talk about the watch for a minute. Yeah. So we haven't the, mentioned the watch. The time travel machine, the time machine, mm-hmm. has... Um, has a watch that's part of it that uh, Chloe Annette wears because that's the watch that counts down and lets them know when they have to be back. I don't understand why it needs to be a special watch. I don't understand why she can't just have a normal watch that counts down and she sets it to the time of the time on the time machine. Well, because it's a watch that breaks the um, loop. So right. it, it's the watch that cuts off the thing. It's the watch, it's, right? It, I see. That, it, the watch has to go back into the thing. Yeah. She could just keep the it next to it. Yeah. Because she and then use a normal watch, I suppose. Yeah. But also the special watch is programmed to beep at an hour and beep at three minutes yeah. and then beep constantly. Um. But also this is kind of a massive digital watch. Yeah. It's like it's about twice the size of a baby G. Um. And. Uh, for a 90s reference there but also <laughs> on the watch there's another analog clock face yeah I'm like, what does that do yeah what's the point in that yeah being no that's that's not it's, i mean that's most of the things on that watch there's no point yes yeah. Yeah. yeah why bother yeah um so they've only got four hours now yeah judging by the watch to get back she's in jail michael french says, don't worry i'll sort it out i'll go and find I'll go. it's got to be one of those three people i'll get you out of here and then makes his way around the three. Goes to the dentist. Goes to the dentist. He has no memory of just meeting him as a waiter. Yeah. I'm like, what? why does no one remember this person? Yeah, why does no one recognise him? Fine. He takes him until he gets his cop um, badge out. Yeah. Uh, and then he's like, oh, you're a policeman. I mean, it's a dreadful dentist acting happening here. Yeah. I don't know what, where where he is. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Uh, and then he goes to the other one, who's a crime novelist, and she says, no, it wasn't me. And he goes, oh, okay, then who? And she goes, oh, well, the other guy, the Denimati, he owns a chemical company. He'd have access to potassium uh, cyanide. So he goes to the thing, and he says, no, it wasn't me. And he goes, oh, God, it wasn't any of you. 
Yeah. And just believes them. Yeah. For what they tell him. But of course, you knew all along who it was, didn't you? You I got did. it. I you did actually. It. I just you still don't understand early. time travel. And no. I'm worried that if I ask for any more help, David's going to strangle me. <laughs> but you knew who the killer was. But I knew the killer was. It was Alex. Alex all along. Because she said to him right before she went into lunch, don't go too far, Alex. And he went, I'm, I'm not, not I'm not your servant, yeah. Mary. She went, yes, you are. You are. Yeah. And, and like, it was right. just like that. Good reading. Thank you. Um, yeah. And, I, and we both went, oh, you know, you deserve what you're getting. Um, and of course, yeah, Michael out of the, uh, Alex out of the jealousy had had very, so this is what had happened, right? He had given her the pill at the morning of the house, whilst, of course, now Slade and Holly were there. I say now, but because they've changed what happened in time, that is now what happened. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it kicked in when she was at lunch, but she wasn't poisoned actually at the scene. So when all the drama kicked off and people were rushing around going, oh, Auntie Mary's died. They went all oh, calling her Auntie Mary. But no. yeah, quite a lot of them were. Uh, he snuck in and just laced the glass with uh, potassium cyanide crystals to make yeah. it look like one of the people at the table had murdered them because he knew that it all had motive. Very, very thought through. Very I mean, well done. It's almost too convoluted. It's almost unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, also, sorry, the chemical guy yeah. said, yes, we do store potassium cyanide here, along among other 500 other chemicals. Yeah. Like, one, probably more than 500 chemicals if you're a pharmaceutical company. Yeah. Two, why are you storing potassium cyanide? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> that is a poison which is compound yeah. of other chemicals. Yeah. That has one use. Yeah. Like, to kill, to end <laughs> life. <laughs> Famously handed out to, like, prisoners of war. And, yeah. You know... What, that's a big question hanging over him. Yeah. Um, but there, you know, we're, we're still wondering about, you know, uh, is he going to get this all back to Sue Johnston in time yeah. so they could release Holly? Doesn't matter. Holly's already escaped. She's done a raid, escaped from the prison, from the from the jail cell, and she's now on the run. She's in a big car chase, so she's rushing back to get back to the time machine. In uh, you know, before the time's up. Yeah. Uh, So's Michael French. And they, of course, crash into crash each other. Crash into each other, yeah. Um, but it's all right, because the police are so f- far behind for some reason now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a big close-up of, of Sue Johnson in the back of a car with Morris. And you said, I don't think that outfit's appropriate for... No, because Sue Johnson is wearing, like, a fur ensemble. It is fur coat, fur hat. I'm like, she's <laughs> off to the opera. What's happening? Yeah. Why is she dressed like that? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's such an odd choice. It's really weird what she's wearing. It's very bizarre. Um, but she's got her glad rags on because, you know, you want to look good when you're arresting your friend and colleague. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after she's done a jailbreak. And again, break. why does she let them... Let if They're, they're never going to learn if they're not going to make mistakes, Grisham. Yeah. You can't just be around them all the time. But also, all the other policemen said, God, why is Grisham taking this case earlier on? She's... Um, she's, she's useless unless she's behind a desk like right yeah is it literally just blind leading the blind yeah a very mediocre middle england yeah police squad oh um there's a there's a bit as well uh when chloe annette uh breaks out of prison where Mm -hmm. she um she attacks this tiny little um oak marionette of jasper carrot (laughs) um that's just there in the 
in the jail for some reason. <laughs> she she does. She uh she knees uh wooden puppet Jasper Carrot in the balls. Um, and uh, she says, oh, I'm sorry, she's a bit worried, but she has to do yeah. what she's got to do because otherwise she's not going to get out. Um, so they get back to the place. Yeah. But, but now Sue Johnson and co are ahead of them. Yeah. Because they've been on foot and they've been driving. Yeah. And as they get there, they realise that the, the, the power's cutting out, which happened before they travelled. So they're like, oh, this is when the power happened. Mm-hmm. And there were people stuck in the lift uh, that Danny was trying to help out uh, when they when the power went out first of all. Now we learned the people in the lift the whole time were Sue Johnston and and Morris yeah. and this sort of small uh, figurine of of uh, Jasper Carrot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we also learn that the reason why the power's cut out is because Holly's time machine is using twenty seven thousand units of electricity per month, which is apparently enough to. F- to power a stadium, a football stadium, yeah. and he says it again: God, football stadium. This is this is Danny the caretaker, played by John Lennon, and the Playdays caretaker. Yes. Um, and I'm like, that that's not financially viable, no. and no. also not possible. Not possible. Yeah, you're not it's running a house on fire. Yeah, you're not running that through just your your one bedroom flat wiring. Any electricians out there, if you can tell us what the ramifications of 27,000 units would be, yeah. whether they're close to what a stadium takes, and whether that would be sustainable, even in a Chelsea townhouse. Absolutely. Let us know. Let us know. Let us know. Um, uh, so they get back in time, and all the police officers get outside Holly's room and witness the big photocopying thing going happening. Yeah. All the lights flashing. And then, and then decide that that's not anything to be concerned about. Don't, don't comment. Um, it. Don't get obsessed over it. No, just fine. go fine. That was a bit weird. Yeah. Um. And then, uh, they will see yeah, uh, knock on the door, and they, and in she tries to arrest Slade as well yeah. for obviously harboring a fugitive. Um. And he says, "No, I think I can tell you who the real killer is." Yeah. And she goes, "Oh, go on then, but it better be good." I'm like, no, that no, you no. think. You think one of these people's a murderer? Yeah. Why are you that? Oh, go on then. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay, well, no, well we're going to arrest you now. Yeah. And uh, when it goes to trial, then you can present... Like, what, like this isn't how anything works yeah. in the world of crime, but fine. But at least, credit to Slade, he has found out and traced it back to Alex. And they get him in and they all... They Again, it's this him. weird thing of why are they in... Why are they just randomly milling around the police station with a with a killer and he's not he's not in handcuffs he's not been brought in by him. like he's just there of his own volition for some reason reveal happens right in the office with the door open yeah and then he tries to uh, tries to yeah attack Jeff Slade and as you quite rightly said he, he yeah. bends his arm back and says can we take that as a confession yeah and then as you and then <laughs> said, Johnson, no absolutely not you can't do that. yeah she nods, nods. Like, that's so, not a confession. No, Being confession. annoyed at your copper is not the yeah. same as saying, yes, I murdered my girlfriend. Absolutely not a con- confession. Um, um, and that's that's the end of the episode. Yeah, well, we get the denouement of them, of uh, Holly and uh, Jeff walking out of the station. And he says, well, do you think you're still going to go then? And she's like, no, no. Um, uh, Grisham was so embarrassed about arresting me that she gave me loads of money. I was like, right, that will have had to have been cleared through so many departments internally. That's yeah. not how she doesn't have access to loads of money she can give you because she felt bad for 
Like, and she went on, oh, yeah. So whilst I was like, eh, I asked for a raise as well. What's happened? Like, also, there's still st- an investigation into why were you impersonating a yeah. health and safety inspe- food inspector yeah. at a restaurant? Yeah, what, what, none of that. Yeah, like we. This is not a clear cut case. Oh, um, also, she doesn't get any money from her auntie because it's all debts. Yeah, it's five figures of debt because she had stocks mm. that kind of fell through. Uh, yeah, because he eventually says, "Oh, you know what? What are you going to do then for money? Because you still got your money." She goes, "Ah, oh, it's all right. I got a compensation uh, check, as you said quite rightly from Sue Johnston. And while I was at it, I pushed her for a raise. I'm like, yeah. you're definitely not getting a raise. No. On, and this is not the time to play that card. No. You've just been let out of jail. Yeah. After escaping, yeah. Just, like, just be happy you're not behind bars. No. You're irresponsible, financially and time traveling wise." But hey, they uh, go you off together. Jasper Carrot Pinocchio. Yeah, no one cared about that. No, true. I cared more about the Glaswegian bank robber. Yeah, well, I miss him. We all yeah. will. We all will. So and, yeah, and, and, that... and he says, you know, you'd miss me anyway. And she goes, yeah. no, wouldn't. He goes, yes, yeah, you, you would. would. And he yeah. grabs her and by the waist, and they kind of walk off into the sunset. And you start thinking, oh yeah, there's definitely so they're building, 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 building David Rennick. That's what you do, you know. You don't go all the way up and then nothing and then forget about it for a season and a half and then you meet them and they've already slept together. That's yeah. not that's not how you build a, a will-they-won't-they relationship. Um, I will say, actually, that I think structurally, Crime Traveller, ex- you know, um, exceeds... Uh, is far better than Jonathan Creek. I would agree. Overall. Would but dialogue-wise... I find Crime tra- Traveller a lot mm, drier and a lot... It's, yeah, well, it's I don't not think as entertaining. Yeah, but that's because you've not got a sitcom writer trying to write a drama. You've got a, a, a novelist. A novelist. Trying to... Yeah. But it's I, just right. in terms of that whole comparing yeah. the two and going back to... No, I'd, you know, I'd agree. Question. There's not so much kind of comedy in there. Um, but I mean, just just also the quality of the, the writing isn't, isn't great. Um, and I wonder... I think it probably was at the time that maybe is dated a, a little bit. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and uh, but but it's a great concept. I'm kind of looking forward to it. I think yeah. I just need to spend a bit of time with time travel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, as as there, from what I can remember, going back to when I was about nine, but uh, I, I have a memory that sort of it, it does kind of work itself out as the episodes go on. With six more episodes left, they never made eight eight episodes of it. Um. And I'm pretty sure that you, it becomes kind of more defined what those rules are, what you can and can't do, and they get a bit more comfortable with all that. And also, you know, if you look at like the first series of Friends, yeah, you know, shocking, yeah, absolutely shocking. But once these characters find their feet, and yeah. you as an audience understand where you're going, yeah, it's quite nice to see those things click together. I think you're already starting to see that in the second episode, from my perspective yeah. as fresh eyes. Absolutely. So yeah. So um, hopefully. Uh, ben, if you're if you're able to, we'd love for you to keep uh, contributing. And yeah, we'll uh, give you another couple next month. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's about it for us from this week. Next week, guys, is going to be a big one. Next week, we have been uh, spending quite a few weeks actually uh, yeah. on on research for it. It's a bit different from what we normally do. So this isn't a TV program or a film. No, uh, we've been asked to do a podcast uh, about. Uh, essentially uh the cia charles manson all the stuff that was going down in the 60s um yeah so it, it's it's probably gonna go two hours minimum um and there's a lot to discuss we've both read some books on it we've been doing a lot of online research we've watched 
a TV series, we've watched documentaries, so it's... We've gone from from uh, kind of approaching conspiracy-esque kind of uh, areas of research into just a fascinating part of history. Yeah. Um, which is a mixture of kind of conceit and, and dishonesty and distortion of truth and bungling. Yeah. Um, and and kind of cover-ups that shouldn't have really been necessary. But they all link into kind of major periods of American history that um, I, th- I think it's fascinating to all of us, 60s America. Yeah. Um, and kind of epitomised by those 69 Manson murders, which serve yeah. as a, a backdrop to kind of everything that we'll be talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, yeah, do do tune in for that um, next Thursday. Um, and, yeah, we're, we're really looking forward to to laying that one down for you I hope guys. it's as good as I just made it sound it was absolutely <laughs> absolutely um, but yeah a bit of a departure but hopefully you'll stick with us and, yeah. and enjoy that one next week um, and of course as we do every week uh, there will be a, another Jonathan Creek Satan's Chimney coming your way on Monday yes and starting the, the new series absolutely absolutely so yeah uh, for now as always uh, you can find us on twitter at macabre podcaster you can drop us an email podcastermacabre at gmail.com you can like us and write on our wall and send us messages on facebook fb.me forward slash podcastermacabre and of course you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts from apple spotify google play all those good places um so yeah when you get in touch we're very lonely absolutely Uh, and (laughs) also guys we are still I know we're overwhelmed. We're still accepting more patrons. If you yeah. do have five pounds a month to spare, if you want us to talk about anything, as you'll see from next week, as I say, it's not just film, not just TV. Literally anything, anything you want. Anything you want five pounds a month, we will discuss a topic of your choice a month. So um, if you can spare it, you'd be helping us out, and we really, really enjoy doing these. And yeah, uh, it's such a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, look after yourselves guys stay safe have a great week and uh, we'll catch you in a few days with podcast macabre Uh, as for now I've been David and I've been Callum and we'll see you on the flip side bye